0: Hi, my name is Stephen.
1: Hi, I'm April.
0: This is the 3Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice.
1: Together, Stephen and I owned a seven figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in room services.
0: 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically. ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, everyone listening. We are uh, going to be talking um, with Brittany back today uh, about ADA and how ABA providers can know what to do or how to be compliant. Um, Just for everyone, we're not providing legal advice. Don't listen to us. (laughs) Uh, So if you if you're like, "Eh, I don't know uh, if I need to follow this or not, please talk to an attorney in your state, because there also is state requirements on all of this stuff, too. So this is not legal advice. Uh, Don't take it as legal advice. Uh, But yeah, other than that, I guess we're ready to go.
1: All right. So with us today, as Stephen already said, we have Brittany Peck, and uh, she holds a doctorate from Suffolk Law School, where she specialized in health law and compliance issues. She worked at the Positive Resource Center as a legal aid health care attorney, where she focused on health care law and health care compliance issues. Thank you so much for being here today, Brittany. We um, we get a lot of questions about ADA-related stuff and, you know. We don't know what we don't know. So we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. Yeah,
2: Of course. And as mentioned previously, I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. And one thing to remember as we move forward today is that these are all federal issues, right? So when we talk about federal ADA issues or American disability issues, we're talking about things that apply to all 50 states in Puerto Rico. We're not talking about your specific uh, hometown. We're not talking about where your business is located or anything like that. Great. Okay. Always a good reminder. (laughs) Yes, I know sometimes it can get confusing when you hear one thing and then maybe your boss will do something else. Yeah. So just a good quick reminder. Okay, so let's get started. So the Americans with Disability Act was created in 1990. It's a civil rights law that protects against discrimination based on disability. So let's break that down. What does that mean? But this means that if you were a person with a disability, you cannot be discriminated or let's break that down even further. You cannot have different opportunities given to you because you are disabled, you have to be able to have the same opportunities just as everybody else. You're applying to a job, you're working at your job, or you're providing the essential functions of your job. So with this. The Americans with Disability Act, what we're covering today, is political compliance, meaning that you must provide reasonable accommodations to employees with disabilities, and you must provide reasonable access to people with disabilities if your clinic or your business site has 15 or more employees. The Americans with Disability Act is, again, of so a federal civil rights law, it protects just as much as it protects race, color, sex, national age, origin, um, and religion, this Again, just about how the guarantee that they will have the same right uh, to purchase goods and services, participate in state and local government programs, and participate in any public space access. So, what is public space access? Could be that you run a physical therapy clinic. Somebody who is disabled would also need need to be able to access your clinic. Say, for example, you run a quick shop. If somebody is disabled and you have 15 or more employees, they should still be able to get an opportunity to work at your print shop. So who needs to follow the ADA? Of course, state and local government agencies is a big one, right? So if you're going to your town hall to vote, but you happen to use a wheelchair, 100% of the time, you should be able to get into the town hall to vote. There should be a ramp. There should be appropriate ramps in the bathroom. The appropriate doorways where you can press the button to be able to enter into the building. Um, in those circumstances, if if your business open to the public or your state and local government agency, should basic things like this not be followed, meaning there needs to be railings in the bathroom, there needs to be railings on the stairways, there needs to be... It doesn't necessarily need to have a ramp right to your business, but maybe you could have a ramp to a neighboring business and a person who's using mobility devices, like a wheelchair, can gain access in another way. So that's a very good example, right, because it needs to be reasonable. It doesn't need to be the exact same. You don't need to build, you know, a skywalk to your business to get people through to your business. It just needs to be able to be accessed just as much as a person with no disabilities can do it um and one thing that's coming up again and again in litigation in ada issues is website compliance so now the ada has traditionally been um silent on website compliance but we can discuss a little later today on how we know what regulations we need to follow so 50 states all 50 states do have federal rules that apply however some states have stricter requirements Um, for example, I'm based in California. So I know that California has very strict requirements for businesses. Um, I myself am in LA and I always try to take note of which kind of businesses have ramps, which kind of businesses maybe have an extra railing or two. Um, it's just something to think about and look at the next time you're out and about in your town. Um, so this slide talks about the section three of the ADA, which is talks about the public accommodations. So you can think of public accommodations as your favorite business, maybe your favorite bakery, a hotel, uh, maybe it's a transport service like the train to go into the city, it's a bank, it's anything where the public would be open to it. So this would be different than if you're, for example, a consulting firm and only your specific clients come in. This is all the time open to the public, anyone can come in. So this is the time where you would need to have both physical and digital accommodations that are applicable. So what does this look like? So this could look like in a restaurant, maybe having, um, if you have only booths, maybe you have an open booth where a person with mobility devices could also fit. This could look like if you have, for example, as restaurants are turning to touch screens, you would wanna make sure that you have it in a language excuse me um simple language for anybody to be able to follow this could look like maybe you have braille excuse me menus this could look like you have a system where if you need to check in on a digital screen it could go lower to somebody who may not be of the same size or statue to anybody else um, and this could look like many different things on the internet which we'll cover again a little bit later but say, for example, if you're a hotel, one thing that could be very good to put in for reasonable accommodation so that your anybody can access your services and business would be uh, voiceover descriptions are getting very popular. So say, for example, you could say, this, this hotel or restaurant usually serves, you know, like a 300 square feet room, and then you would speak it over with a voiceover program, which are very popular and are very easy to find on the app store as well. Uh, another good question that was received was do ABA providers need to follow ABA because they are open to the public for business, meaning that anyone can become a client. It's not specific services. Like, um, again, the consulting services, they need to follow ABA as well. So now let's go into accessible design. So this was created in the 1990 version of the Americans with disability act on the federal register. Um, These regulations adopt standard enforceable standards, which are called the standards for accessible design. So what this looks like are, again, the ramp requirement. There's always needs to be handlebars in the restroom as a requirement. Um, There needs to be one uh, bathroom available for the uh, public that is for people with disabilities of any kind. This could look like maybe having a quieter area if you have a very busy, uh, business of sorts. And again, the, the key is when you're talking about accessible designs in Americans with Disability Acts is it's reasonable accommodations. You don't need to overhaul your entire business. You don't need to get rid of your business idea if you don't think that it's going to work with people with disabilities. The idea is that everyone can come to the table with the appropriate modifications that are reasonable to do that.
1: Cal Medical Billing is comprised of experienced medical billers and coders who specialize in ABA billing. Founded by a team of professionals who have worked as staff billers for multiple agencies, CalMed strives to provide a level of service and communication that feels like your own in-house team, without the cost and worries that come with having employees. They offer billing and credentialing services with no term contracts and have served ABA clients across multiple states for nearly a decade. Call 213-277-7999 or visit their website at www.calmedbilling.org to set up a free
2: consultation. Um, And then they recently passed in 1992 that all new construction post-1992 must also comply with these accessible designs, meaning that you can't even build your building off the ground if it's not accessible at this point post-1992. So so I have a question. We get the, I'm not exactly sure
1: the right timing to ask this, but it seems like it fits here. So I'm just going to throw it in. Um, and if it's something you're going to cover in a few minutes, then just let me know. But um, we get, a, you know, a lot of our, you know, the people listening have, you know, own clinics or they own office space for those clinicians who come in to, you know, to do office work, to prep for, you know, their work. In homes or in the community. So whether it be an office space or a clinic-based setting where you're going to have the, the clients and patients coming in, if you are looking for that space and let's say that you find a great space on the second floor, but there's no elevator access and there's no ramp, should you keep looking? Or can you make a second office or clinic you know like work even though there's only stairs
2: um that's a very good question so i need to know more information before providing answers so one thing that they look for is if you have 15 or more employees right um so it sounds like they may or may not depending on the amount of support staff going on and that's involved with that Um, Another example I've seen in different cases where it's on a second floor and somebody may not be able to access that is temporarily moving to a third location, say maybe at a coffee shop if you're meeting with a client, say for uh, ABA behavioral therapy or something similar, or you could meet in a neutral third location like a park for the day, so... Like any lawyer answer, I would have to say it depends, All unfortunately.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. I know at one point we did have our personal um, office space was on the second floor and we had an there was an elevator in the building mm-hmm. and there was a ramp because there were some stairs to get into the building. Right. So there was a ramp and then there was an elevator to go to the second floor. Actually, we, we were on the main floor, so it really didn't affect us very much, but I know that. More times than not, the elevator was out of service. Yeah. Um, and so like you think about the people that I don't even remember what service they were providing on the second floor, but there was no ramp to get to the second floor. There were a lot of stairs and there was no like, you know, the elevator was out of service for most of the time. And so like I think about that situation and so many times I was like, oh, I'm so glad we're on the first floor. <laughs> You know, because at that time we were also, we had, you know, it was like, that was our clinic space too. Yeah. So it wasn't just that we were having clinicians come in, but even then, and we were like, we had less than 15 employees mm-hmm. at that time, barely on that, you know, but yeah, like I really, I can put myself in a lot of these, you know, the shoes of a lot of these people who are looking for the office space, whether it is office space to start out and then they hope to grow into a clinic. Right. Or just office space, or definitely clinic space, and it really seems like if there are any other options, maybe keep looking, All right? Keep right? Looking. Like
0: I guess another there, you might
1: exclude right. hi- being able to hire somebody because what if right. you can't? What if you are hiring someone who may not be able to you know, navigate the stairs. And then like, how do they do what's necessary for their job? It's like, you can't sure. be constantly meeting them at a coffee shop. So, right. and then that's not even like in the clients is a whole nother story. Right. Right? right. So,
0: yeah. Uh, hmm. one, one thing that I get asked a lot is, okay, if we have a small agency, we're going to do some clinic, like again, on the second floor scenario. Yeah. With no elevator. Like, can we do like in-home and community services? Because they do that as well. So they may be, providing in-home services already, then they open up a small clinic on the second floor with no sta- with no elevator, no access. Can I use that clinic space and then also provide in-home, and will that cover me? Does that make sense? It sounds like maybe, right? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that
2: is a great example of a reasonable accommodation. And okay. in, in, in most situations, I would say it's not reasonable because if you didn't already have the in-home services. Um, because that might be inappropriate for a business to conduct business on somebody else's phone, sure and this is an example. It would be very reasonable to translate the in-clinic to in-house services. Right.
1: So, and then I also just have another question and then I'll like, move on with your slides, but, you know, another thing that comes up, it doesn't come up as often, but it does come up in those of us who provide services for in-home, like in-home services. What happens, at, like, how do you navigate the situation if your employee can't, let's just use stairs. This is just easy. Like, that seems like a more of a easy simple, know. you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so they can't navigate the stairs and they're unable to navigate the stairs, but they, you've assigned them to a client who their home has stairs. Right. I don't know. What what kinds of things would you look at for
2: that? Like That's a good question that we can talk about. What exactly does a reasonable accommodation look like? So yeah. right. well, you could switch job tasks. So, if there was another employee, maybe to cover that um, individual who has stairs that they can't access, maybe you could switch for a temporary time. Try to have uh, for other reasonable accommodations, you could have reserved parking so that somebody would not have to avoid the stairs. If you could meet in another location, um, you could provide an aid. I'm. I know that AIDS I don't know what they're called, but I know that AIDS exist to help people up the stairs. Um, that seems like a rather cost prohibitive yeah. issue, though, for one client. But in some businesses, it may make more sense to provide the aid to get up the stairs than to install an elevator. Like if they don't own the building, for example. Sure. Um, you could provide a flexible work schedule because maybe the person can walk up the stairs when they have enough energy, or other days that they don't you could provide alternative formats. So if appropriate, maybe that clinician could provide the services over Zoom versus in person, if it's appropriate, of course. Because again, the key here is reasonable accommodations. It's not redo your whole business to make one employee be able to work. It's all about reasonableness. So again, the reasonableness standard would have to be if it causes an undue hardship. So recreating a whole business just because one of your clients has a house up on the second story, for example, would definitely be an new purchase.
0: Uh, yeah, another question we get often, and again, this is probably going to be a maybe, uh, but, you know, if you, many of the clients we work with, you know, like, a, like many of the customers that we have, they're working with two to eight-year-olds maybe, and mm-hmm. so, there may be times where you're going to have to restrain the the child or pick them up or prevent them from leaving the area just for safety reasons. So if this is a situation where you're having to get up and down often, pick the child up, maybe you're not able to just sit in a chair, right? You're having to get on the floor. Uh, This may be a struggle for a lot of, of people, right? And so When you're doing your hiring practice and you need those requirements met, how do you kind of navigate the ADA compliance uh, part of it, piece of it, with also requiring? Lifting, like
1: you must be able mobility, to mobility,
0: like right?
1: Thirty-five pounds or right. more, or be able to get up, like up from a down seated really quickly. to the floor,
0: right? Or like run really quickly because you have to stop the child from going out on the street or something like that, right? Like you know, how do you navigate situations like that? Does that make sense?
2: yeah definitely so that's a good example so when we're talking about essential job functions like working with 2 8 year olds uh like any child you know sometimes might need to be restrained yeah. in the sense of like oh don't touch the stove or sure. outside. Right. so for that that would be an essential job function so there could be one of two ways to go about this so one way is maybe having um a guardian at the site visit where they take ownership of oh if you know, the child is trying to climb out the window and the clinician cannot help with that, maybe it could be the parents, but that also could lend to not appropriate like ABA services as well. Right. So for that, because it's an essential job function, you may have to pass on that person who is not able to provide those services. Um, And because it's not, how do I say this? Because it is an essential function of the job to provide safety to the children, it would not be unreasonable to say, no, I'm so sorry. This position is not a fit. Maybe we have another position for you.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
2: Great. Thank
1: you so much for answering this. At Element RCM, our vision is a childhood for every child. And our mission is to strengthen all who improve the lives of children. How do we do that? Through our billing and insurance expertise that we've gained with our founding team's 20 plus years of expertise in the ABA field. We have a singular value proposition to improve your cash collection rate and velocity. We understand you because we've lived it. It's hard to battle with insurance companies. At Element, we work with all size providers from single BCBA startups to multi-state large organizations. What's our advantage? We're a billing and insurance company built by ABA owners for ABA owners. Make more money, gain more time, worry less. We help you. With your core aba business, so you can do what you love. Find us online at www.elementrcm.ai.
0: All right, so we'll head on. Do you, are we no, good? I'm good. Head on to I'm the good. next slide. Yeah. All right.
2: Um, so these are confusing looking documents. <laughs> everything in the legal world looks like this. <laughs> so, When we look at 28 CFR, all that basically means is that means the code of federal regulations. And again, because this is a federal issue, it basically, this long number right here tells you the exact location you can find it in the code of federal regulations. Um, Of course, Google will also provide this if you are independently interested. Then we go ahead and look at the 2004 promulgation. So we're going to take code of federal regulations. That's like, you can think of this as the black letter law. This is what the whole U.S. says about this specific issue. Then we're going to take these next regulations, and then that creates, so if we look at it like a math problem, the 2010 Standards for Accessible Design, as we were discussing on how there needs to be handlebars, there needs to be ramps, there needs to be access issues. So the Code of Federal Regulations and this other promulgation is what creates what we just discussed, the Standards for Accessible Design.
0: And so this is basically the same thing. So the, or is this different? The 28 CFR. And
2: then an appendix basically is a fancy legal word for, oh, they created another idea on this. So we're going to tag that in. Um, and this talks about how you can also find it at another point. Now we're going to about ADA compliance in your office. Um, you need to be able to fit a height of a wheelchair, and even if you don't have anyone in a wheelchair today, you might hire somebody later on that gets into an accident or something like this. So, um, for, again, this is 15 employees or more. That's always the standard here. So, this isn't a one-person business. You don't need to ADA compliance zero own self um say for example if you freelance we'll work as a behavioral specialist or somewhere so you have to have your desk at 27 inches high minimum for this reason which any standard desk at this point in 2023 for a workplace would have this and again just a reminder that if you have 14 or fewer employers you do not need to be ada compliant um, other things that could look like ada compliance in your office um so sometimes offices have Uh, their company logo or company motto written out. You could also have this spoken at a meeting to ensure that all of your employees understand this. Uh, This could also look like if you're dealing out instructions for the day, for example, you're gonna be meeting with this client this day. Um, Maybe somebody has a disability where so there's a processing disorder where written, excuse me, spoken just wouldn't quite work out for them. So it'd be a very reasonable accommodation to say, hey, for today you need to be doing this, this, and this, but in written format instead. Um, so it's all about making those little tweaks, those little reasonable accommodations so that all of your employees can have equal access to working their essential job functions. So here are some more examples uh, as we've been talking about. So upgrading your company bathrooms with hardware in the doors. Um, definitely creating accessible parking, meaning not only having handicapped parking, but then also looking at the sides of the handicapped parking. Mm-hmm. Is there enough space for somebody with mobility devices to get in and Um, Talking about increasing the width of door frames, um, making sure that water fountains can be utilized by all individuals, um, which has become a pretty standard place, particularly with the water bottle functions that have the the physical water bottle and the like the milk spout right um so a lot of these things are becoming more standard in industrial design regardless so it makes it a little bit easier for planning out your whole office they're talking about very specific to each state but there's a lot of like curved cuts, which basically means how close you can park to the sidewalk if you have a car um because that's important for people not only just wheelchairs but other mobility devices um, and then uh, another easy fix is maybe just to rearrange your furniture. Maybe it's a little too clunky for somebody who may need, need more space. Or, for example, if you have a person that needs to get up and walk around a lot, maybe if you have a jammed in desk, you like in the typical like tech model where everything is all at once, maybe you want to spread that out a little bit if you have the space. Okay, now we're locked against the world of websites, which is the wild, wild west of the ADA compliance these days. So, um, as I mentioned before, there's no specific guidelines yet, keyword yet, for the Americans with Disability Act in websites. However, you still can get sued, meaning somebody can bring legal action against you if your website is not compliant, and again, you're open to the public or Mm -hmm. by an employee so let's backtrack how can you get sued if there's no guidelines basically you don't want somebody to be able to say oh i could have been reasonably accommodated but instead your web content was not able to do that so when we're talking about this we're going to look at four different categories we're looking at perceivable meaning that you don't want to write in text that A person with lower eyesight cannot read. So for example, you don't want a yellow screen with white writing. It might look aesthetic to you and your business, but it's not the best choice. Um, Operable, you want to make sure that all people would be able to operate your website if it's for business. Um, Again, it really gets into, especially with very aesthetics, meaning they just want it to look nice. That's not operable sometimes all the time. Um, Understandable. So, for example, this could look like, oh, you have a written explanation and you also have, say, for example, a podcast recording or another recording where you're talking about this is what my website offers. This is what my services um, have to offer, whether it's a video recording or a voice recording. And then you also want to make sure that it's robust, meaning that you can understand what you're reading or understanding through the website. Should be confusing. Those, I mean, those all sound
1: like somewhat common sense as reasonable far as stuff. like reasonable. Yeah. yeah. What types of things would you want to look for here? Like, is it mostly like for people who may have trouble seeing the the screen? Like, of course, like the contrast or the text. You know, offering like the audio. And then, um, is there anything yeah. else outside of that? That because a lot of this, I mean, because a website is like a visual thing, so right. making it more auditory to navigate is there anything else that would any other things yeah. you would need to look for in that
2: um sometimes people have three different sizes of text that they can choose from. okay and can make it larger, which would be great um and some people want to make sure it's optimized for ipads for individuals who use like what's it called speech to text. right okay um, yeah okay
0: like voiceover or whatever yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. okay and then here are some more resources. Um, but before we conclude today, I know that there were questions on coming back from workers' comp.
0: Yes. Right? So there are a couple of questions. Yeah, that's one of them. So what do you do when someone comes back from workers' comp? Like, if this is a permanent thing versus a temporary thing, does that make it any different? Right? Like, mm-hmm. like let's say, you know, a horrible car accident and now they're, like, permanently paralyzed versus I broke my leg and I need some temporary restrict, like I have some temporary restrictions. What does that look like? And then the other question that I just got was, okay, right now <laughs> we have 13 employees, but this looks like it could be a, like a terrible situation once we get to 15, right? Like, do I have to move my entire office because I am in this situation where we don't have an elevator. So do I need to move my office once we get to 15? Or do I just have to, like, so if you could speak to that, too. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, definitely. So for the workers' comp, I think that brings up a great point. So when you're talking about reasonable accommodations, everything needs to be done on a case-by-case basis, meaning that, say, for example, if you take the person with a broken leg, I'm no doctor, but I would assume that a broken leg is expected to heal at some point. Versus somebody who is permanently paralyzed, which was not expected to have any more mobility recovery other than just focusing on what's currently available to them. Right. So for the first instance, I believe that the best work of action would be to sit down with, say, if there's an HR or company director, whomever is in charge of these things, um, sit down, figure out, okay, your leg is broken, right? So what does that mean for us? Okay maybe you need a wider desk area, or maybe we can move your cubicle to somewhere else. Or for example, maybe we can only put you at client's houses for the time being that are the most accessible to get to. Uh, so it's all about a case-by-case basis, making reasonable accommodation again. So not changing the whole scope of your job. No point in time should someone be coming back from workers' comp and basically demanding an entire new position based on the fact that they broke their leg. That is not appropriate. Um, although they might want that, I, I can appreciate that that sure. but yeah. uh, that's not what we're here for, unfortunately. Uh, so it should be an ongoing case-by-case
0: process.
1: Clients who partner with Erica's billing services maximize their reimbursements while increasing overall profitability. Our team of experts is experienced in all areas of ABA billing and can help your office whether you're an existing practice or a new startup. We bill claims to the insurance company for services of ABA, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. We submit authorization for initial assessments, ongoing treatment, and routine visits. We like to help ease this burden on providers by offering benefit checks. We call to follow up on claims that are not paid, denied, or stuck in processing after 30 days to make sure these claims are worked until they are paid. We provide account receivable reports to help show providers exactly where their financials and claims stand each month. Find out more at Um Another thing is if
2: maybe sometimes they might get worse, maybe the person who has a paralyzing condition may lose function of another uh, limb again I'm no doctor. But it just brings up the point that it needs to be a reasonable accommodation in the sense that it's constantly evolving and changing. It must be considered on a case by case
0: process. Okay, we can accommodate this person with a broken leg. They were full-time, so let's say they were 35 hours a week. But with our accommodations put in place, we can only get them 20 hours a week. Is that, like, do you have to provide that full-time position that they used to have? Or is it okay to provide them a part-time position? Does that make sense? Uh, definitely
2: does make sense. I think that this would have to be entered by state regulations and their disability services, unfortunately, okay. though. Okay. Okay. Because when we're talking about ADA, it it requires the essential job duties. So if the essential job duties say you must work thirty-five hours a week, but they want to be accommodated to something else, that uh, it's I think that would be a definitely a case-by-case issue. Okay. Um, As for the second question, talking about they are about the 13th, 14th employees, and they might need to figure out how to move to the next uh, location, so the Americans with Disability Act, I believe in this case, um, please look this up if this is of immediate concern to you or ask an attorney. Um, depending on the state, you either get two months to rectify the issue, meaning you have two months to not build an elevator per se, but make make steps towards it. You need to be looking like, I'm actively searching for a new office. Gotcha. Um, and then some people, excuse me, some states will give you up to two years to rectify this process. So okay. it depends on your state and your locality. Okay. That's good, though. I mean, it sounds like,
1: for the most part, as long as you're showing
0: that you're trying to make progress. Right, Right.
1: because I mean, you may not, yeah, versus like, oh, I don't know when I'm gonna hit my 14th or 15th employee. Do I need to start worrying about that now or can I wait until we we do expand?
0: (laughs) Another question we got was, so we don't have an office at all. We're just completely in home. Is there anything that we need to do for ADA compliance? And I think you kind of mentioned it already, uh, like okay we've got a bunch of uh clients that have stairs again like they're in apartment complexes without an elevator uh what do we do with that and uh, so like i think your response was try to accommodate as much as you can right so give that uh employee cases that don't have stairs um or does that is does that kind of is that where we would go with that
2: Exactly. So try to accommodate the best you can. If you're running into a problem where, say, for example, you have one manager and three people who go out to in-home services and you physically cannot meet the demands, then that's a case of, okay, we either need to make more accommodations or you cannot perform the essential job duty functions.
0: Do you, yeah, I, I'm not even going <laughs> to ask that question. All right. And so the other question was... Our bathroom is currently not ADA compliant or meets ADA requirements. I don't even know if ADA compliance is a thing. So what what should we do?
2: Um, Again, we should be making steps, right? So the fact that you're asking this question is a fantastic first step. You don't need to have it done overnight. It just needs to be a gradual process. So, for example, um, you need to have grab bars in the disability toilets. And if you don't have a disability-focused toilet, let's get on that first. So it's all about that. Maybe the next step would be to meet with a renovator or to meet with somebody in your area who has expertise in this situation.
0: And then the last question on this is because many people are just leasing, right? So they don't even own the space that they're in. um, And maybe they don't even have a bathroom in their office. So they're relying completely on the landlord who has uh, bathrooms in the facility but are not ADA compliant. Is there anything that they could do? Is that like... Do they just say hey you need to you need to upgrade this and that's on the landlord what do you do in those situations
2: uh that's a very good question i have to say it depends again yeah. um so some states will allow you if you're leasing right from them but you can't then tear down the drywall and just create your own business and releasing you can't do that so right. the, the state understands that so it's all about reasonableness again so if you have been in that space for fifteen 10 years leasing the state's not going to then expect you to like start from scratch and and just create your own business in a lease. That's not, that's not how that would work.
0: Okay. you have any other questions?
1: No. Um, I think that covered all of the ones that we got.
0: Yep. It did. Those are definitely the most common ones we get. Um, is there anything that, that we missed, or is there anything that you would like to add before we go?
2: Sure, I want to make some closing points. So yeah. Again, we're looking for reasonable accommodations. don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Those reasonable accommodations can be focused on essential job duties. So it doesn't need to be my coworkers go out to lunch, they want to go out to lunch. That, that's not an essential job duty. The essential job duties are what's focused on a reasonableness standard. And unless it would create an undue hardship, you need to be making steps to creating a reasonable standard. And at the end of the day, the golden rule for the ADA is full and equal enjoyment, whether that's employees, whether that's people visiting your business or just anyone accessing your business. Those
1: are some really great closing points and reminders for us. Uh, we did have a question that came in, uh, so we will answer that. So, I am the only provider renting a 400 square feet space in which I'll provide services there. The building I rent does not have a handicapped parking spot. Will I get in trouble for not having those accommodations?
2: Um nope, because again the key word there was that you're renting. So for example, a reasonable accommodation for this is maybe you could go ahead and if you know a client with a wheelchair is coming in, you go ahead and block off the easiest parking spot that may not be disabled parking. Or maybe you meet them curbside and you assist them into the building as well so again it's all about reasonableness mm-hmm. you're renting the building you didn't create the parking lot yourself there's nothing mm-hmm. to work.
0: yeah oh. and could you like i guess would it would it be a good idea to kind of go to your landlord and say hey this is becoming more of an issue we would really like to for you to provide a spot for us and maybe work with them and see if they could help you is that is that something that you would recommend doing or to be open, yes I don't <laughs> right
2: think really i we
1: need to buy legal legal, right always worth an ask, even if it's futile all right well it looks like that is all for today and thank you so much again for for joining us today and it's really helpful i mean it's like a little bit of peace of mind right because a lot of this does feel like yes of course you know look into your local you know area make sure you're following all the things but in general, it does really sound like as long as things are reasonable and like it, it doesn't sound like too big of an ask. Right. right. It sounds like as long as you're really trying and you're working and you're accommodating in the best way that you can, then then it's OK. <laughs> yes. All, All right.
0: right. Yes. Yeah, so thank you again for coming on. We appreciate that. And hopefully this is helpful. If anyone listening or watching has more questions feel free to reach out and let us know and we will try to get those answered for you. But uh, other than that, we will see you next week.
1: All right, bye everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www3 pysquarecom